the cycle of Yom Tov Shiri, but dedicated by the family of Dr. Chuck Feldman, Zichronol Bracha, in memory of an exemplary model of dedication to family, community, and Torah education. This Pesach Shir is also sponsored in memory of Rabbi J. Gershon Newman Zal, Rav Kalman Gershon HaKohen Zal, Ben Binyamin HaKohen, Visara Aleha HaShalom. So the topic that I wanted to discuss was women in the Haggadah. Now this is really a, a pretty easy topic because there are no women in the Haggadah. Nary a mention of a single woman, uh, although that doesn't mean that women did not have a role in the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Whereas if I wanted to tell the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim as a story about women, I could do it. And just uh, briefly to summarize, uh, look at the, the first, uh, the first um, source, in the beginning of Shemot, Vayomer, Paro talking, Bialetchem et ha'ivriot, he talks to the midwives. He says, when you birth the women, or item al ha'avnayim, and you see, as the birth is taking place, the avnayim is like, today they're called, what are they called? Spurs? Another thing, you can put your feet in on a horse. Spurs, right. So, so it's like it's like that. Whatever it was that they that they did in Benhu, So, so this is the instruction that Paro gives to the Bialdota Ivriot. Now that's a big compliment that the Torah gives these women. They weren't just working. They weren't just, but they had. Yirat Elokim. Now that means something. It means uh, something very special because slavery, slavery in Egypt is what knocked Yirat Elokim out of you. Because if Yirat Elokim means, like we'll define it in this particular context, if I define Yirat Elokim as trust in God's promise, right? God promised Avram Avinu that there would be slavery, the slavery of God for 400 years, and then there would be freedom. So if you trust God's promise, that's called Yirat Elohim, because you feel the divine in what you are doing. You know that slavery is coming to an end. So these women, even though this was probably a very difficult thing to do, and they had to be nervous about what the result would be, nevertheless, right, if you look, you look at the Rashi, Rashi says, they would give them, they didn't just birth them, but they made sure that they would live. They did the opposite of what Paro told them, uh, told them to do. So you have these, the first you have Mi'aldot. Now when I talk about the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, there has to be somebody who is optimistic enough to want to continue to, uh, who said that, that the existence of Am Yisrael 
the Zidra Am Yisrael, even though we're in a very bad state in Mitzrayim, nevertheless, it's important, it's relevant, it has to happen. So that's, that's, what, that, that's what these women did. Shmot Perik Bet, you remember, that first Pasuk, which is about Amram and Yochevet, right? Amram Yochevet would have, eventually have a child whose name was Moshe. Rashi, he separated himself from her. I mean, they didn't have sexual relations. Because Paro said the firstborn sons will be killed. So they didn't want to have any children. And in this Pasuk, what the Pasuk says is that he remarried her. And, and so the verb that's used in the Pasuk is Vayelech. He went. What is he went? Shalach batzad bito. Oh, another woman, Miriam, right? Who gave uh, advice? Who gave advice to uh, her father? Shamralo gzeratcha kasha Michel Paro. What you say is what you do is worse than what Paro did because Paro gazarlas charim. Paro said just kill the male children. But you, you say there shouldn't be any children. There shouldn't be any male or female children. He remarried her. This is what Chazal say, that he remarried her. Lakuchin is a word that's used for, for marriage. And, and so there was a miracle. It was a miracle because even though she was older, she became young, like just like Sarah, Abraham's wife, was had a miraculous child, and Rivka had miraculous children. Right? She was, didn't get pregnant at first, and then Rachel had problems with pregnancy and eventually eventually died. So she also had a miraculous a miraculous pre- uh, pregnancy, which is important because because in order for them. Amram and Yocheved to be models. Uh, you can't claim that it was an accident. You know, you know that if she if she got pregnant, then you know if you could say, well, they didn't want to get pregnant, but it happened. So that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been what the point of the story is. The point of the story is that it had divine approval that everybody knew. Everybody, and that's what Rashi is trying to say. Rashi is saying, God wanted this to happen. And so, and so it happened. That she was 130 years old when she had this, when she had this baby. Okay, terrific. Let's go back to the, to the Chumash. Pasuk Bet, Vatar, Vatisha, Vatelet Ben, Vatero, Toki Tovu. Right, Kitovu. Rashi says, you see, the Rashi is about the eighth line. Kitovu, Shinolad, Nitmale Habayit Kulo Ora. Ora. Right, the whole house became full of, was full of light. Right, light is, of course, a metaphor for anything that's good. Right, it's especially used for Torah. Right, Torah or Torah Ne'er Mitzvah. So, Torah or 
we all know the story. Uh, Rashi points out, Rashi wonders about how she was able to hide him for the first three months. Because Rashi's own experience was that even little babies cry and make sometimes uh, a lot of noise. Right? That's... Uh, I've been mean, true until today, I think. So Rashi says, Shemanula Hamitsuyi Biyobsha Khzira Viyala the Tala Shishakhoda Shibyoka. In other words, they counted. They said they knew uh, the registry for marriage. They knew they got married on a certain date. So they noted the police, the Egyptian police made a note that in uh, nine months. In nine months, we're going to show up because that's when the baby will be born. And before that, we don't, we don't, we're not going to be there. So she gave birth after six months. So the first three months, the baby was able to cry and the police didn't show up. That's, and that's what the, the Pasuk says, So we have, we have now another woman who's a hero. And that's Yocheved. Yocheved is a bit a hero of, of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Again, it's this idea that you have to be optimistic. You have to think there's a future. If you don't think there's a future, you're not going to have children. You're not going to bring children into a world which is going to go through some kind of cataclysm. So, then finally we have Pasuk Dalit. So, here she is. The, the sister, Miriam. So, even after the child was discovered and had to be sent away, so to speak, in this ark. Uh, of course, the ark is uh, maybe connected or in thinking. You might think also about the ark that uh, Noah made in order to save the world. So he's an ark, he's Moshe. And here's Miriam, right? Here's Miriam, Pasukhei Vaterit Bat Paro, another woman, Bat Paro. Who, who then circumvents the edict of her father and the Egyptian police. There's another woman who deserves recognition, right? In recognition in the, uh, uh, in the story of, of uh, in the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Vatiftach vater, pasuk vav, vatiftach vater, eyu, she opened up the little basket and she saw him at a yelled he saw that the, the child was crying but Tachmol a wonderful human quality that Bat Paro had. Right? So that means that that she was involved in saving the Jewish people. The Jewish people needed Moshe. It wasn't just another kid. He was the kid who filled the house with light. And so she saved him. So maybe she shouldn't be the only woman in the story, but she's there. I mean, she's doing something real. She's not uh, uh, um, an, an add-on. She knew right away. Yeah, there's a Rashi says, what do you mean, why did she say that? Why did Miriam say to Bat Paro? She should have just said, "Maybe you'd like me to find a uh, a wet nurse for this for this child." What does it say, Minayvriot? So Rashi says, Rashi, uh, 
where am I? Pasukhet, is that what it is? Zayin. Zayin. Min ha'ivriyot belamed, shehechzirato al mitzriyot harbei li'enak v'lo yanak. So Raja says, it must be that the Bat Paro offered this baby to a lot of Egyptian women uh, to, who, would, who would try to feed, uh, feed him. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Rashi, Rashi, he knows how to make a big deal out of something, right? You know, I remember there's a story. This story is the source of all stories about Hasidish Rebbeim. You know, the the Chidushi Arim. The, the, the Geras tell a story about the Chidushi Arim, that the Chidushi Arim, uh, when uh, his mother gave him a bottle, to, you know, he was like, just been born or something, so he told his mother to cover up because he had to make a bracha. <laughs> so, so this is where, this is where that story comes from. You, know, you see, you see well, that's a good one. You know, you want to be like, you want to be like this. But the other interesting thing about this, you know, what's this got to do with anything? I mean, he's a baby, right? Why does Rashi have to stick this in? And not only that, Rashi then continues. Let's look at the Psukim. This young girl went and called. Called the mother. Isn't that interesting? You called the mother, and then Pasuktet, Pasuktet, Vatomela Bat Paro, Heilichieta Yeled Azevenikeu, Vadiatenet Scharech, Vatikacha Isha Yeled Vatenikeu. So it's like amazing. Uh, apparently, this was the Minhagen in the tribe for the first couple of years of life. You didn't live with the mother or the adopted mother, but you lived with the with the wet nurse. So she he was brought up as part of Am Yisrael, right? Pasuk Ted, and we just read Pet Ted. But Tomel Abat Paro, yes. Pasuk Yud Vayigdal Hayeled, but the Vayel Abat Paro Vayel Ad Ben, but the Grash Mol Moshe, but Tomel Kimina Mayim Shitiu. So. To some extent, I mean, I know we're not supposed to get too excited, uh, but to some extent, Bat Paro was his mother. I mean, she was the one who enabled the special education that Moshe Rabbeinu received. We don't know what it was, but it developed within Moshe Rabbeinu certain attitudes, which we saw later on, you know, when the two Jews were fighting with each other, when the Egyptian was uh, was fighting with the Jews, so so uh, he had this this kind of sense of righteousness of tzedek, not righteousness in a, in a kind of an annoying way, but that that there was a rightful way to act, and Moshe Rabbeinu had that, even though he was not educated in the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever, he was educated. I mean, you, you, you understand, these ideas existed in Chazal. I mean, like they could have invented a yeshiva that he went to, but they didn't. They said he studied with Bat Paro. Bat Paro apparently was an exemplary person, somebody who was not regular, right? And, and, and he received these, uh, 
these attitudes from her. Okay? So now, uh, now that's the end of that, of that, those psukim. Now, the next one, I mean, I'm sorry that there are a couple of, uh, there are a couple of psukim that are missing from the, on the sheet, but the next pasuk is, I think, Perik Dalit Pasuk of Aleph. Let me just, let me just take a look. Well, in, in any event, it's Perik Bet. Remember that Moshe Rabbeinu ran away from Egypt and he ended up in Midian. In Midian, he got together with these women who were shepherding the flocks and they took him home to Yitro. And then the Pesach says, Okay, so he had a son. And the son's name was Gershon. Uh, then uh, there's a story about Moshe Rabbeinu getting uh, the charge to go to Mitzrayim. Rabbi Kodesh Baruch told to Mitzrayim, and you'll save the Jews. But on the way, on the way to Mitzrayim, the pasuk, the pesukim say, "Vayiba derech b'malon, vayefkeshayu Hashem ve'ekesh hamito." Something is very hard to understand. He was on his way. And for some reason, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to kill Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, this doesn't make that much, it's not, not so easy to figure out what was going on because HaKadosh Baruch Hu went to a certain amount of uh, effort in order to make sure that Moshe Rabbeinu would be the shaliach that would get the Jews out of Mitzrayim. So why would HaKadosh Baruch Hu want to kill him? So this is in the next Pasuk, Pasuk Perik Dalet Pasuk Kavei, State, Vatikatsi Porat Sor. She took some kind of a knife. Vatikrotet or Latvina. Vatagaliragbab. She circumcised him, the baby. Vatomekichatanda mimatali. Veyerif mimenu azamrachatanda mim lavulot. Whatever those words all mean. But as a result of what she did, Moshe Rabbeinu was saved. Moshe Rabbeinu was saved. So this is. This is the other woman, the other woman who saved Am Yisrael, who saved Yitzhak Mitzrayim, because she actually saved, she actually saved uh, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu from death. Now, of course, the, the question is why this happened and why Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to circumcise his son and why he thought it was more important to get to Mitzrayim than to do the mitzvah at the right time. All of these are questions that are asked by the Mephoshim, but they don't really, it, it would be too much of a digression to try to deal with, with all of that. Now, if you go to the second page, skipping the Yalta Shimoni, which deals with the questions uh, that I just asked, like, why did Moshe Rabbeinu do it? Why didn't he circumcise his children, uh, his son? I, I just remind you of two more psukim. Perik Lamed Hei Pasuk Kabed Nashim Al HaNashim. Rashi says, the, the Pasuk is summarizing the donations that were given to the Mishkan. And the Pasuk says, Anashim al Hanashim, which probably means the men even more than the women. Right? Even more than the women. Kol Nadiv Lev, Heviyu, and they brought all these kinds of jewels. Kol Klei Zahav, Kol Yishachar, Yedivtun, Fat Zahav, Lashem. 
על הנשים, רש"י says, עם הנשים. That the men and the women equally donated to the Beit HaMikdash, which means that, which means the Beit, I'm sorry, the Mishkan, the Mishkan, the tabernacle, as the Ramban and Rabbeinu Bechai and others explain reasonably, that the tabernacle was the model of Matan Torah. Matan Torah was certainly the purpose of Yitziat Mitzrayim, to get to Har, to Har Sinai. Matan Torah was, was then transferred to the Mishkan and supported heavily by men and by women. It was just like the women were equal partners in Kabbalat Torah, even though it is true that men are obliged with the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, but Kabbalat Torah is equal was equally divided between the men and the women. They were both standing at Har at Har Sinai, and they both received the Torah. Now, obviously. Obviously, women have an obligation to learn Torah because women have an obligation to do mitzvot. And anybody can say what the smart said in his introduction, Sefer Mitzvot Gadol, that, that if you have to do something, you better know what you're doing before you go to do it. Otherwise, you will probably mess up. Right? I always tell that story when the Lubavitcher, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, not the one before him, said, uh, said Shlichim to Tunisia. He was like an interesting, he was in Russia, and he decided that he would send Shluchim to North Africa. And North Africa, there was a Morocco and Tunisia, so there were Shluchim in, in Tunisia. So the Shluchim of the Rebbe decided that what they needed was schools. They weren't really, you know, they had these uh, Alliance schools for Jews. They didn't learn very much about Judaism. The boys went and the girls didn't go. So the Rebbe, the Rebbe Shluchim said, we have to, um, uh, we have to open schools. So the local Rabbanim were very happy. He said, open schools and we'll send the boys to the schools and they'll learn things and it'll be wonderful. So the, uh, the Rebbe Shluchim said, yes, and we're going to open schools for girls also, because they also have to learn. So the Rabbonim, the local Rabbonim said, no, no, we don't send our girls to school. Our girls stay home. And if they go out shopping, you know, they go to Rami Levi, they go with their mothers. They don't go by themselves. So that's how we can't send them to school. So they, uh, so they haggled about that. The shluchim of the Rebbe said, you have to have a school. And the uh, Rabbonim, the rabbinim, local rabbinim said, you can't, you can't have girls walking around the street. I mean, what's going on? You know, the, the world will come to some sort of a closure. So they uh, haggled and haggled, and finally the shluchim said, okay, how, so he said, so, so how are they going to know what they're supposed to do? How are they going to learn kashras? How are they going to learn taras and mishpacha? So the rabbinim, the local rabbinim said, well, they learn from their mothers. They're, they're with their mothers all the time until they get married. But until they get married, they're with their mothers. The mothers, what do they do? They cook and they, uh, they live. So they, they, teach them, they teach them what they have to know. So, so there was stymied. Uh, finally, the shluchim of the Rebbe said, okay, listen, this is what we're going to do. We'll give an exam. We'll see if they really know what's going on. The exam, they, they gave an exam to girls who were about to get married 
in Taras and Mishpacha and Kashus. And of course, uh, as you, otherwise it wouldn't be a story, the results were dismal. I mean, the girls didn't know anything. They didn't know anything about anything. So they, they, they rabbonim, the local rabbonim relented. And that's how they opened schools. That's how they opened schools for women in Tunisia, even before Sarish Nira. Right? They opened schools. They opened those schools in Tunisia because the system didn't work. I mean, this idea that you learn everything you have to know by hanging around your mother just wasn't, you know, wasn't viable. It was not a viable uh, system. So here you have the men and the women were equally obliged in Kabbalah Satara. That's what I said. They're equally obliged in Kabbalah Satara. And therefore, they were equally obligated or volunteered equally to build the Mishkan which is a sign that they understood that they were involved in that. Finally, the last posuk is we learned this posuk and this Rashi. You remember that, uh, that there was this, this issue with uh, uh, the mirrors that were made out of the choshet and they, they used them in order to be attractive. In order to but again, the same idea that the women again and again in all of these stories, starting from Yocheved, uh, Miriam, Sipora, right, the, the women uh, at Har Sinai, they all expressed this kind of optimism. That's the way Chazal understood it. They were the optimists of, uh, in fact, in this last Rashi, in this last Rashi, it says, Rashi says, um, Ayu halchot, the, the second wide line in the Rashi. Ayu They would bring them. They would bring their husbands who were working as slaves, food and drink. They would feed them and then take the mirrors. The kol achatro so each of these women, each of the women that said that their husbands as tired as they are, that they want to have children. They want to bring more Jewish children into the world. And they were the ones, according to the way Chazal says, since they weren't enslaved to do this heavy work that the, uh, the husbands were enslaved to do, they were the ones who maintained the optimistic attitude uh, towards the future of Jewish history. And the fact that the divine promise would be kept. So that, that uh, the amazing thing is, it's very clear, it's very clear that the women uh, played a role. And they played maybe a determining role, because as against the women, whose names we know, we know names, right? The Yocheved, and Miriam, and Bakparo, and Sipora, we, we know their names, we don't know the names of men who were in Yitziat Mitzrayim, except for Moshe and Aaron, who led, the, who led the charge. So the question is, why is this? Why, my question, why is it that the women are left out of uh, the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, at least the way we have it in the Haggadah, where there is no mention of uh, women? Now you could say, uh, basically there's no mention of anybody in the Haggadah, and you might have a point. Like, but what ideological position is there in not mentioning anybody? 
For example, so the answer to the question, the answer to the question is found by answering a different similar question. And the different similar question is, how is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu is not mentioned in the Haggadah? The one time that the name Moshe appears in the Haggadah is in a pasuk where the pasuk is quoted for some other reason, and Moshe Rabbeinu is added, is mentioned uh, accidentally, I would say. So I think it's correct to say that Moshe Rabbeinu is not mentioned in the Haggadah. Whereas you would think, okay, you know, we're traditionalists. We don't want to mention women too much. You know, that causes, that always causes problems. But Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, he should have gotten a, a byline in the Haggadah. There's something, you know, it's like, it's like uh, the parish of Yitro, called Yitro. Why is the parish of Yitro called Yitro? It should be called Moshe. I mean, we, Yitro didn't give us the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu was responsible for giving us the Torah. So in that parasha, the parasha of giving the Torah, we say, oh, let's, let's look at Yitro. <laughs> like Yitro. Interesting. It's an interesting question. A Hasidic question, but interesting. So here I want to look at these psukim, if we may. Shmot imperikimun. I want to look at, the, at, at Moshe Rabbeinu being appointed the leader. The man who is going to do it, and they you have to, you have to, we have to learn two sections. The first section is Paragimel, Moshe Hayaro Ed Son Yitrocho No Kohen Midyan, Vayin Haged Atzon Achar Midbar Vayevol Har Helokim Choreva. So the first part of the pasuk is kind of prosaic, like Moshe Rabbeinu. He was a shepherd. I mean, that doesn't sound too exciting. And the sheep belong to Yitro, Chotno, Kohen, Midyan. And he like took these sheep far afield. Rashi says, You see Elhara Elokim? Well, let's look at the first part of the Rashi. You see, he took him beyond the desert. So Rashi doesn't understand why the Torah had to tell us this detail that, that Moshe Rabbeinu took them far. Okay, took them far. You know why? Why do you take sheep far? Because you, you, they have to graze. And if they ate up everything here, you have to go over there. So Rashi says, no, that's not why the Torah tells it to us. Again, that Moshe Rabbeinu was special. He was a special person, even before he became Moshe Rabbeinu, and he was very concerned about Gezel. Then Rashi says, and the words, El Har HaElokim, Al Shem HaAtid. What does Al Shem HaAtid mean? About the future? Al Shem HaAtid. What is Al Shem HaAtid? That Chorev, what's Chorev? What place is that? Har Sinai. But Har Sinai, Chorev, was only called Chorev later. In, in other words, according to Rashi, according to Rashi, there's a preempting of something here. Like Moshe Rabbeinu went to a mountain, to a hill. The hill was really didn't have a name at all. It wasn't a hill that we know about. It was a hill, and it was called Choreb. When was it called Choreb? Later on. Now look at the continuation. 
Vayerab Malach Hashem Elav Belabat Eish Mitoch HaSneh So we know there's a sneh on this mountain. What's a sneh? What? Yeah, a sneh, but what's a sneh? A sneh is like a little tree, right? Something small. And Labat Eish Mitoch HaSneh There's a tremendous fire coming out from within the sneh. Vayar Vayar, Moshe Rabbeinu, he looks and he says, he sees, He sees something miraculous is happening, at least in, in as far as you can estimate a miracle. The, the thing is burning and burning and burning and nothing happens. Right? The, the tree is still there, the snare is still there. Einenu, einenu ukal. Okay, Rashi, Rashi says what Rashi says. Let's go on. Vayomer, Vayom, again, Pasuk Bet. Vayira Malach Hashem Elav Belabat Eish. What's Malach Hashem? What's Malach Hashem? Malach Hashem is somehow he knew that a representative of God was there. If this wasn't just a trick of a, of a magician. It wasn't just something that happened, but it was Malach Hashem, right? And Pasuk Gimel says, Vayomer Moshe. And Moshe Rabbeinu responds in a very odd way. And he says, Asura what's the normal thing to do? To back away. To go away from the fire. You don't go into a fire. I mean, it was only a snare. I mean, what's, what's the big deal? No, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I want to go to the fire. Right? I want to go to the fire. Vayar, Pasuk Dalet, Vayar Hashem, Kisar Lirot, Vayikrai, Lave Lokim, Itochas Neva, Yom Moshe, Moshe, Vayom Hineni. So first of all, the Rabban points out, you have to remember, that, how did it go? Pasuk Bet. What does it say, Pasuk Bet? Vayar Malach Hashem. Right? What is Moshe Rabbeinu's response to the Malach Hashem? I want to know more. I want to come closer. What does the Pasuk say then? Pasuk Dalit? Vayar Yud Vav What happened to the Malach Hashem? So the Ramban says, you see that Moshe Rabbeinu on his own was climbing on the ladder of spirituality. It was, he, had, he had it in him. He saw a spiritual opportunity and he took it. He went forward. He didn't go backwards. And by going forward, suddenly he was confronting God. He wasn't confronting Malach Hashem, which is a representative of God, but not God. He's confronting God. And then, This is like, you know, this is a real conversation. This is the way God talks to, to man. Moshe, Moshe, Abraham, Abraham. Pasuk hey, Vayomer, Altikrav halom. And God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, you are not ready to go closer, but shal na'alecha mi'araglecha. Take off your shoes. Ki ha'makom Now you don't have to be you don't have to be a remarkable artist in order to say that this is like Har Sinai. Not just like Chorev from Moshe Rabbeinu, but it's mamish like Har Sinai. Because 
Because that's what happened with the Jewish people. What did Moshe Rabbeinu come down from Arsinai to tell the people? You have to prepare yourself. You have to be ready. You have to have three days. You have to, you have to uh, wash, your, wash yourself. You have to purify yourself. Stay away from sexual activity. He says, that's all. You're standing on holy land. What makes the land holy land? What makes it Admat Kodesh? In fact, that Kodesh Baruch is there. Kodesh Baruch is on that land. You can't just walk. You have to be prepared. Moshe knew. He knew what he was doing. He covered his face. He didn't want to look at directly at God. Pasuk Zion. You know, there's a purpose to this, to this confrontation between God and Moshe Rabbeinu. God has decided, has decided to do something about the pain that Am Yisrael is undergoing. That's a word that's used also with Yaakov Avinu. God goes down, God comes into the world, God is going to act in the world. To save him. So Moshe Rabbeinu is the only person who received this information, the, the the verification of the promise to Avram, to Yitzchak, to Yaakov, directly from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other words, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Yosef, Moshe. Moshe is now the, the bearer of the promise, the Gufi Shon first per person. So there you have it. So you would think, you would think that, that, that here's Moshe Rabbeinu, rising on the spiritual ladder, Right, going from Malach Hashem to Yudke Vovke, God speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu in the kind of an intimate way, you would think that, that it's a done deal. I mean, like, what could you say after that kind of event? That people people uh, argue that, that uh, uh, Har Sinai, that Har Sinai, there was no free will because B'nai uh, Yisrael uh, couldn't say no. Like, you know, we could say no, God says, you, you want the Torah? So here Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean, certainly would accept the charge that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him after the experience that he had. It wasn't just, he didn't get a letter in the mail saying, you Moshe Rabbeinu, tomorrow you're in Miluim, go and save the Jews. It wasn't quite that way. There was, there was clear proof of Moshe Rabbeinu, there was clear proof of Moshe Rabbeinu that he could do it. He was, he was uh, uh, moved into the world of HaKadosh Baruch through the, the snare, which is very similar to what happened in, in Har Sinai, which again, which again is, uh, is the name of the place that he was in, which is Chorev, right? And, and uh, validates what Rashi said, that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to drink uh, from the wet, the Egyptian wet nurses, because he was going to be the conveyor of the Torah to B'nai Israel. So here's Moshe Rabbeinu, but that's not the way it goes. The way it goes is that Moshe Rabbeinu refuses the job. 
And if you look here in, in, the, in the next section is Adab Dalit. Vayad Moshe ve'ayamo ve'hein lo yaminu li. Lo yishmu b'koli ki yomu lo nirei lecha Hashem. This is quite, I think, I would say quite amazing. But what does Moshe Rabbeinu say that Kodesh Bochayim lo yaminu li? I mean, what, what, where, does, where, did he, uh, where did he get that kind of nerve? Where did he get the chutzpah from? And, and it's only a question of chutzpah. I mean, why would he want to say such a thing? He, he knew that he, God was with him. I mean, would he be uh, the, the option of, of being a shepherd for Yitro, who was so attractive? Did he want to leave? I mean, what, what is it? What could this pasuk possibly mean? So if you look, the next pasuk quoted on the sheet is pasuk Yud. We say, we assume is not a physical disability, but it's a kind of a imagined disability, right? You know, I don't talk so well. I'm not, you know, really good at it. I won't be able to convince them. I mean, the, the, the discussion gets a little bit less reasonable. What do you mean? So he says, what are you talking about? If I want you to sound like uh, Paramore, you'll sound like Paramore. I mean, what's, what's the big deal? I mean, I mean, God created the world. You think he can't give you a, a voice? He can't give you a good, uh, good script to read to B'nai Israel. I mean, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. And I will be with you. I'll tell you what to say. I'll give you the, I'll give you the script. I'll script you. Is that what they say? I'll script you. And then, and then you'll, be, you'll be okay. Uh, this is a crazy argument. It is like a little crazy. And finally, God is angry at Moshe. Oh, so who gives in? <laughs> I mean, that's really madness. That was really bad. And then uh, along comes uh, Aaron, and he goes with him every place. Even though Moshe Rabbeinu continues to speak, he does speak. But Aaron is with him. I guess maybe he could explain things, or he could uh, restate them, or not. So I won't explain these psukim in the following way. I won't explain these psukim in the following way. Moshe Rabbeinu said, You know, I went through this experience at the snare. That experience at the snare made me into something new. I'm a new person. I'm a new person who's like totally involved in my mind. All I think about, all I think about is, uh, is my confrontation with HaKadosh Baruch My old language, the, the way I used to talk, the way I used to talk, I used to talk to people. I used to be able to speak to them and they would understand what I'm saying. I, I've lost that, I fear. I fear that, that now, now I am, I'm, I'm, I'm in a different sphere. You know, I, when I start talking, other things come out of my mouth. I say, I say things about God that other people will not, 
will not understand. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, says to Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, I can fix that. I can fix you. I can make you the way you used to be. You'll be able to speak to, to, uh, uh, to everybody and they'll always they'll understand you. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, I don't want you to fix me. Right? Send somebody else. I don't want to be fixed. I want to retain. I want to retain the experience of the snare. I want to be a person who is not like everybody else, who doesn't have any longer the language that everybody else that everybody else has. And finally, Akadish Bocho agrees. In other words, you could say that this story is the story of how Aaron got promoted. But in order to understand how Aaron got promoted, you have to understand why Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to do the job that he was designated to do. And so if this pshat is correct, it turns out that Moshe Rabbeinu really had nothing to do with Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu had nothing to do with Yitzhak Mitzrayim, because whatever you say about Yitzhak Mitzrayim at the Seder, whatever you say, you say, why there had to be Yitzhak Mitzrayim, why the Jews had to go out, why there had to be miracles, why there had to be uh, tension and, and, and running away. In the All of this must have had some point to it. Right? And the point of Yitzhak Mitzrayim was clearly to get everybody at the level of the women that we, that we met up with before who had faith in the promise. I mean, if you didn't have faith in the promise, what was the point of leaving Mitzrayim or even running away from Mitzrayim? It didn't make any difference. But it was a question of the faith, uh, of getting the faith out. The people who didn't have to have the faith, their faith improved all of these women. They were not part of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Yes, physically, they went with their families. They went from place A to place B. But the, the, the educational value that Yitzhak Mitzrayim had for Kalal Yisrael was diminished in the case of these women who, who proved that they had, they had faith in the promise. They believed that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was going to make it happen in a proper way. And this is more true for Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu was never in Mitzrayim. He was never slave, enslaved in Mitzrayim. And he lived in a world which was the world of Kabbalah Satorah, even when he was in Mitzrayim. And that's what happened to Moshe Rabbeinu at the Sneh. And that's the explanation of the discussion the discussion with uh, Moshe Rabbeinu about who is going to represent God to the Jewish people and to, and to Paro. So Moshe Rabbeinu was never there. He was never in Mitzrayim in a spiritual way. He was always on his own. So Moshe Rabbeinu didn't really lead the Jews out of Mitzrayim. And he didn't really uh, organize Yitzhak And he was not part of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So because of that, Moshe Rabbeinu was not mentioned in the Haggadah because he wasn't, he wasn't uh, uh, subservient to the development, the spiritual development of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And this is probably also true for the women that we mentioned, each of them uh, uh, exhibiting their faith in the promise that Am Yisrael will continue to exist. And therefore... Therefore, they were ahead of the curve, you know, they were ahead of the curve in Yitziat Mitzrayim, and as a result, were not, uh, were not mentioned. Okay. <laughs>